0: It is so good to be together this morning. It was a joy to be at that party yesterday also. Just such a good weekend. Um, Obviously, we've already had our first service, but I'm just going to say such a good weekend to be in and a part of and with the church. Um, This local expression, uh, one of many, but praise be to God that get to be a part of the church Amen. and just spending time with you yesterday. And now here we are today preaching on, uh, well, our third week of Advent, the first Sunday we covered, Alex covered Mary's song. Um, if you weren't here for that, I would encourage you to go back to these, uh, last week we covered Jesus is the great high priest. And so this morning, we are covering He's the Prophet. And next week, we'll conclude the Advent season. Well, we won't conclude the Advent season. We'll conclude that on Christmas Eve. But we'll conclude the Prophet, Priest, King series. Um, Yeah, so the Prophet, some reminders from last week. The Prophet was that man of God who heard from God and was to speak to the people on behalf of God right? So God spoke to the prophet, the prophet spoke to the people, the priest, it was the other way around. It was, it was the priest mediating on behalf of the people. It was the priest speaking to God on behalf of the people, right? Making sacrifices on behalf of the people. So the prophet was a revealer of sorts. The priest was a reconciler. And then the king, the king reigns, he reigns over all. And so uh, the prophet it's, it's this, it's Jesus is the word. He, we will see in the text this morning, he will speak the word. He, he imbibes the word. He is the word incarnate, what we sang of this morning. Um, and Jesus is the priest. He's the mediator. He's the savior. And Jesus is the king. He is victorious king of all kings. Praise be to his name. He is the prophet, the priest, the king. Now here's the thing. When you're preaching the prophet and the priest and the king, and you're doing that in three Sundays, Um, you could, as a hearer, start to think of these three as separate categories. We can start to think of them categorically. That would be inaccurate for us. And so intentionally, when we're preaching the prophet last week, you also heard aspects of the priest and king. And you'll hear that again this morning. And I'm sure you'll probably hear that again next week as well. You can't, you can't divide these out and, and categorize these. These are the offices of Christ. It's not as if sometimes he's the priest and sometimes he's the king. No, he's the prophet, the priest, the king at all times. It doesn't matter how we preach it. It's who he is. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He is the king. Before we jump into John and what he has for us this morning, let's consider just a moment. How does scripture unpack for us or show us that Jesus is the prophet? Because maybe you're even sitting here going, is he, is he the prophet? Um, is he the prophet of all prophets? Scripture would say yes. We go first of all to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 says this. This is Moses He says, the Lord, your God will rise, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Now, I'm going to make the case that that's speaking of Jesus. But if you're here and you're listening, you should appropriately be pushing back a little bit with me at this point. You should be going, well, how do you know that, Tim? Or, Or perhaps you'd be going... Maybe he's speaking of Jeremiah or Isaiah or Micah or one of the prophets who's yet to come. Here's the thing. Here's how we know it. Scripture interprets scripture. And so Peter in the New Testament, Acts chapter 3, 22 and 23, quotes this verse. And when he quotes this verse, he's speaking there of Jesus. Jesus. Peter is, is saying, look, this is how you know who Moses was talking about back there in De- Deuteronomy. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, Moses wrote, under the inspiration of the Spirit, uh, Peter wrote, and he's saying, now that guy, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. But what did the people around um, not Peter, around Jesus, have to say, about Jesus. We go to a number of places, but we'll just go quickly to John 6. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. We could go to a number of scriptures where Jesus himself attests of himself as the prophet. Or we could go outside of scripture We go to the Chronicles of Narnia is where I want to take you, which certainly is not scripture. But if you're not familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, can I encourage you, become familiar. And if you've just watched the movie, can I just beg of you, read the books. Please read the books. If you're not familiar with Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, then you need to know that Aslan, the lion, is the Christ figure in the books. And so this is a little interaction that Lucy has with Aslan. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, he answered. Not because you are? I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Church, every year you grow, my prayer is that you come to this Advent season like Lucy, saying, Christ, you're bigger. And he's saying, no, I'm not any bigger, but you've grown. And perhaps you're not able to say that this morning, but I'm praying that through this Advent season, Christ would be drawing your heart and at the conclusion of this Advent season, you'd be able to say, Christ, you're bigger in my eyes. And he'd reply back to you, no, but you've grown. So let's pray to that end. God, would you come and meet with us this morning? Would you grow bigger in our eyes, Lord? Because you are growing us. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would illuminate, The word to our hearts this day. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's dive into the text. The first point this morning is Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. Now, what is John after? When Alex just read that text a moment ago, what did you immediately begin to think of? What is John doing? What is John's point especially in using these words. In the beginning was the word. There's an echo. There's an echo from Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's not as if John kind of stumbled into this language. It's not as if John, um, uninspired, wrote these words. No, under the inspiration of the Spirit, John wrote in the beginning was the word so that his hearer or his reader, which is us this morning, would recall, I can be a little slow, but, oh, Genesis 1.1. We're talking about Jesus is the word. He's going to make that more clear in verse 14 that he's referring to Jesus. And he's going to make that even more clear as he unpacks the whole book, But Jesus is the word and he's saying here, oh, Jesus was in the beginning. Surely you hear that echo and I want to say to you, it's not an accident because he wants to speak of Jesus and he wants us to recall it. Genesis 1, 1, Jesus was there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning With God. What John is getting done here is more than just simply stating, hey, everyone, Jesus was there. Jesus was there. He was there back there in the beginning. He's saying that this man that I am going to unpack for you, that I am presenting to you, Jesus is God. God is going to take on human flesh. He is God eternal. And he's saying to us, God is that word. He is the word, which is to say, I know this is bad English, but he words God to us. Meaning he communicates God to us. That was the role of the prophet to speak the word of God to the people. But here's the thing. How will God speak the word of word? To the people, oh, he's going to (laughs) come. He's going to come. He's going to show up in human flesh because he is the word and he is God. So he words God to us. He was in the beginning with God. Let me ask you something. Do you want to know God? I want to know God. Spend time here in his word. Yes. This is where he makes himself known. This is the word of God. God wants to be known. Some people say, I just feel dry. Or I just feel like I'm drifting along. Let me ask you again, do you want to know God? It's easy to just drift along. I don't really know God. Listen, it's not magic. It's spending time with God in His Word. This is how He makes himself known to us. And so you may be new to Trinity, but just hear me. That that is a theme at Trinity. We want to be people of the Word. We don't want to simply read the Word. We want the Word to read us. We don't come to the Word and try to make the Word say what we want it to say so that we would feel comfortable and convenient. We want the Word to read us. We want to submit to the Word. And what John is getting done here, different from the other Gospels, right? So Matthew's going to unpack the incarnation of Jesus, beginning with the geology of Jesus, right? And Luke's going to unpack it by giving us a historical narrative of Jesus. And Mark's going to jump right in and just announce, this is the Son of God. And then every human being going to deny that until about chapter 8. But for John, he's going to say, I want you to recall Genesis 1 that this baby in the manger, he is the word revealed to you and I. And he is God. He is eternally God. And he was with and he is God. See, so you want to know God? Spend time in his word. What are you doing to spend time in his word? Getting to know God. How does your time in God's Word hmm how does your life show that he, that knowing God is my priority? Or how does time in social media show what my priorities are? right like or, or you just name it you name the hobby or the distraction or the whatever. Let me challenge us. Discipline yourself to spend time with God by spending time in his word. What are you doing when you're spending time in his word? You're getting to know God and God grows bigger in our eyes. He's not growing any bigger. You are. So here we are at the end of another year. And I ask you, just like in previous years, what is your plan to be in God's word now in 2021? What is your plan to grow so that God would become bigger in your eyes by being in his word? And you might answer that. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year and I'm going to say, that's wonderful. And some of you ladies are going to say, I'm going to spend time in Psalms and that Bible study with the ladies. And I'm going to say, that's wonderful. And really, any plan that you would come and bring to me, I'm gonna say, that's wonderful because it's not one size fits all. Doesn't need to be. But do you have a plan? Do you have a plan of spending time in God's Word? Not just to read words on a page, to read through a book, or read through the entire um, Bible, but to get to know God. There's a big difference. There's a big difference coming up with a plan and saying, here's my plan for 2021 to read through whatever that might be. It's another thing to say, I want to know God, so this is what I'm going to do to get there. Please consider, if you don't make a plan, you will drift through 2021. But please, as you make that plan, make it be about, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. So in, in John here, he says twice, uh, that the word was with God to to translate that, that literally is, um, the word was continually towards God or literal translation. The word was face to face with God. And it speaks of relationship there. I have a face to face relationship with my wife that I would not have with any other woman. Right. Like there's a relationship there. And it's speaking of that father and son relationship of the Trinity. That there is a face-to-face relationship. The word was with God. But not only is Jesus the word who is face-to-face with God. He is God. And it says, and he was um, in the beginning with God all things were made through him, and without him was not I- anything made that was made. So, through him, all things are created. So, oh, push aside the familiarity that's in the room. The baby in the manger is God. God himself has come and taken on human flesh. John is bringing that before us. He's bringing us before Jesus. And if I could say it like this, John is confronting us with Jesus. He's confronting us to do business with this baby who will be a man who will go to the cross who is Jesus. You see, it's too easy. It's too easy for us to run around during this time of year and we sing some Christmas carols and we buy some canned goods and we 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 give in this way or that way for the needy. It's too easy for us to put up a Christmas tree, to hang some lights, to do some things, some decorations around the house, and even put out a nativity. Watch some Christmas movies, and suddenly, it's December 26. And it's time to think about New Year's. And what are we doing for New Year's Eve in 2021? But John confronts us to slow down. Slow it down, church, and ask yourself, Do you believe in this man, Jesus, who is the word, who is taking on human flesh? Let me ask everyone in the room, young and old, do you believe in this man, Jesus? Because John confronts us with this. He confronts us. It's the whole purpose of his book. He'll tell us in chapter 20, verse 31, that his purpose for writing is that we might believe in him. It's not that we just know some things about him, but that we might believe in this man, Jesus, who is the word. So let's be honest. Let's be consistent. Do you believe in him? Young people, I'm speaking to you as well. Do you believe in Jesus? Because if the answer is yes, then the the reply from John, bigger than that, the reply from Jesus is live for me. If you believe in me, live for me. It would be appropriate for those who do not believe in him to then not live for him. Both of those, I believe in you, live for him. I don't believe in you, don't live for him, are appropriate answers. The third option is not an option, but it's the popular option. I believe in Jesus, I'm just not going to live for him. That's not an option, that's a deception. Let's stop with the silly notion that I'll believe in Jesus. I'll believe in Jesus during December. December. I'll believe in Jesus as I'm hanging the Christmas lights. I'll believe in Jesus as I walk through the mall and sing some of those carols. I'll believe in Jesus on December 25th. But I'm not going to make any effort to grow in Jesus or to live for Jesus. To be a man or a woman of his word. Because to say I believe in Jesus is to say I will be a man or woman of his word. So let's stop with the silly notion that I believe in Jesus one month out of 12. Please realize that that's what John's getting done here in his book. He's confronting us with this man, Jesus. Jesus was born and he was born to die. Jesus was the prophet who came to word, reveal God to us. But he was also the priest who came to Offer a sacrifice to God. What was that sacrifice? It was himself. That was last week's message. That we might be saved from our sins. What was the sacrifice he made to God? He sacrificed himself. He died to save us. And so John is throwing down the gauntlet. He's saying, listen, if Jesus is who Jesus says he is, then we have to do business with that. He's not just some good guy in a long list of moral good teaching guys. Never was it said of Buddha that he was in the beginning God or with God. Never was it said of Muhammad that he is the word with God in the beginning with God. Never was it said of Socrates or Aristotle or Plato that all things were made through them. But Jesus, who is the word, it's another story. He has always eternally existed. In the beginning was the word. He is God. He is in a face-to-face, perfect relationship with the Father. So if you want to know God, get to know his word where he makes himself known to us. Number two, Jesus is the creator. In some ways, what, how do I say? There is so many things to unpack in the 14 verses that Alex read (laughs) that it almost feels like a disservice to try to preach it in one sermon. Our hope is is that someday we're coming back to this gospel and we'll be preaching through this gospel. But for today, verses 3 through 13 are saying Jesus is the creator, that all things that are made are made through him. If it wasn't from him or through him, nothing would be made. He is the creator. Not only is Christ the creator, right? He's the recreator. Not only did he give you life, but if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, meaning you've repented of your sins and you're trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you not only have life, you have new life in him. Not only did God through Jesus, the well, the Godhead, Not only did it create you and give you your humanity, but you've been recreated and you are now in Christianity. You have not only been given birth, but you've been given a new birth in Christ. Praise be to God. The Word, Jesus, gets all that done. That's to no credit of you or I. That's to no credit. That's that's not to say, yeah, you know, Tim's really smart. He figured this one out. No, it's praise be to God. Jesus is the revealer of himself. He's made himself known to you. If you're living for him today, it's because he has worded God to you. Praise be to his name. He's the creator. Now, what that means that he's the creator is that we can trust in God. Now, we're going to struggle. We'll be tempted. But at the end of the day, if you believe he's the creator, then you can trust him. Psalms 139 says that he formed you in your innermost being. On the screen is Charles Steinmetz. Charles Steinmetz is thought of as a genius mathematician. How many of you have heard of Charles Steinmetz? Any, some of us? Yeah, well, you were here in the first service. Thanks, <laughs> these guys. Charles Steinmetz, uh, known as a genius mathematician and a father of electrical engineering and a friend to Henry Ford. So he's got some good company there. It's said that Charles could build a motor in his mind. Or that if a motor was broken, that he could take it apart in his mind, fix it, and rebuild it. When the Ford company, when their factory, when their plant was down, and none of the engineers, none of the Ford engineers could fix the plant, and money is being lost the longer it is down, they called Charlie. Charlie. Carl Char- Charles Steinmetz. It's said that when Charles got to the plant, he asked for a notepad, a pencil, and a chalk. And for two days, he walked around the plant making notations and <laughs> calculations on his notepad. And eventually, at the end of two days, he asked for a ladder, <laughs> of all things. He asked for a ladder, at which point he put the ladder next to one specific generator, climbed the generator on this one panel. He put a chalk mark, an X. And then he told the engineers, you need to take that panel off. There are 16 pieces that need to be replaced on the coil. I don't even remember. It wouldn't matter. I wouldn't know what it is anyways. You need to fix these 16 pieces. And your problem is solved. The engineers were incredibly skeptical of this plan. But it's Charles Steinmetz. Took the panel off, replaced the 16 pieces, and the plant was up and running again. That's a pretty amazing story, but it gets better. Because Charles sent Henry Ford a bill, an invoice for $10,000, two days work back in that day, $10,000 for my two days work, at which point Henry Ford balked at that and he sent a letter back saying, please send itemized bill. At which point Henry Steinmetz replied with this Itemized, revised bill. Number one, making chalk mark on generator, $1. Number two, knowing where to make the mark, $9,999. At which point, it is said, Henry Ford paid the bill. It's a great story. Listen, only Christ. Because he's not the creator not some genius mathematician. He's not the creator of some engine, because he's creator of everything made. Yes. Through him all things are made. Only Jesus knows where to put the X on our lives. Only the Creator would also be the prophet. Who would word the God, word God to you exactly where you needed that to be. He knows. He knows where. So I want to encourage you to make it personal this morning. The word became flesh to you specifically. He made God known to you specifically. That is his care for you. And that is because he's the creator who knows where to put the X on each of our lives. In the beginning, Was the word, was the creator, was the communicator, was the revealer, was the one who made himself known to you, was the prophet. Number three, Jesus is the word who became flesh. Oh, We're going to jump all the way to verse 14 and skip all that good material for another time. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Overly familiar. God help us right now. There is nothing that I can say this morning that is better than this, and the Word became flesh. Clearly, you don't get it. <laughs> there we go. Where'd that come from? Was, was that you? There you go. <laughs> Thank you. We need to channel some African church. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, oh, the Word became flesh. Clearly you are not as awake as the first service. The word became flesh. You see, you can't do any better than that. And I don't need to say that in an excited way to in some way excite you because you just can't do any better than that. The word became flesh, church. there's, There's nothing more glorious this morning to be said. We can be so familiar with this glory that God himself took on human flesh. This condescended, became man, born in a manger, We're so familiar with the nativity. We've probably got multiple, well, I don't know how many sets my wife has set up in our house this year. You become familiar and we forget. We're talking about God here. Be amazed this morning. God became flesh. Who the word? God, Jesus, the prophet. You see, here's the question that we need to be asking ourselves. To what end will God go to word to us? I know it's goofy, goofy English going on here this morning. I understand that. But you get it? Like, to what extent will God go to reveal himself to us? Here's the extent: the word became flesh. God himself will come and take on the confines of human flesh, the the limitations uh, of human flesh to reveal himself to you and I. The incarnation is in view. Jesus in the manger is in view. Christ became flesh and scripture often speaks about flesh. But how does scripture speak about flesh? speaks about humanity's flesh, and it's, well, I don't know if it's all the time, but I'm going to venture to say that when Scripture always speaks about flesh, it speaks of the weakness of flesh, the brokenness of humanity, the temptations of the flesh. It's not speaking of skin, but the brokenness of humanity. Humanity is fleshly. For me to even say that, if you're familiar with scripture, you're, 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 you're immediately, you're um, interpreting that on the fly. (laughs) Humanity is fleshly and you're going, yep, humanity's weak. And what John is saying here is God came to take on flesh. He took it on and he took it on, meaning I'm going to take it on and I will defeat Flesh, the weakness of flesh. And because he defeated the weakness of flesh, your weakness, my weakness of fleshliness, more bad words, has been defeated because Jesus Christ came and took on flesh. To what end will God go to reveal himself to you? Ah, he will take on flesh to reveal himself to you. Christ will walk on this earth and he will we will we'll, we'll read about him and we will we'll find him at different times he's hungry what is that that's flesh on the cross i thirst we will see him in great compassion or gethsemane incredible grief what is that that's human flesh took on human flesh so that he'd go to the cross and take our sins and die for us weakly, f- weak, fleshly men and women. Because that's last week's sermon, right? Because he's the great high priest. And he goes on our behalf to the Father. Praise be to his name. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt there is important you could literally translate it and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us because that's what the original language is it's the word skenu skenu is a verb we could put it like this and the word became flesh and pitched its his tent among us because what John's doing there, he's, he's still doing what he was doing at the start of the book. He's wanting us to recall Old Testament things. So first it was Genesis, the very right out the door, right? I want you to be thinking, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created. Well, what happened after that? Right? So man and female were created. What happens after that? Man and, and female fall. They had they had perfect relationship. With the Godhead. It's amazing. What'd they do? They sinned against God. And what did God do? He cursed them. How? Separated them from his presence. From Genesis 3 to the end. What do we got? Revelation 22? What was the trivia question yesterday? Was it 22? 22 is the answer. So from 3 to... To the end, it's all about how God is going to reconcile that separation because we were created for that relationship. But sin has blown that. Praise be to God when you get to John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That is a thank you God moment. He has come to take on human flesh, to reconcile us. And then you jump down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Because John wants you to go back to your Old Testament. Where we were separated from God in the garden. But what does he do with his Old Testament people? He tabernacles. You are to to build the tent the tent of meeting. It is that place where God's presence dwelt, right? But it was a limited presence of God. And it was so limited, right? Like you didn't approach God's presence sinfully. That's why they had the high priest. So that the high priest would go on their behalf, would enter into the Holy of Holies, that place where God's presence most dwelt. Right? And remember last week, tie the rope around the ankle because if you die in there, I can't come get you. We're going to have to drag you out. Why? Because you don't approach the presence of the Lord flippantly. It's the holiness of God being displayed throughout the Old Testament. But God in his mercy, and his kindness, people say, oh, the Old Testament, that's about the holiness of God. And the New Testament is about his grace. Oh, no, it's all about his grace. Amen. The gracious activity of God in the Old Testament is he said to his people, build me a tent and I'll come and I'll dwell there. Now, camp yourselves around there. Levites First. And the more sinful the people get, the further away you need to get. But here's the thing. Don't touch the holy presence of the Lord, right? Don't touch his holy mountain. So we come to John. And John, at this point, John, the author, is announcing, basically, behold, the Lord who came, took on human flesh. And what does he say? He tabernacles among us. He's dwelling among us. We're not talking about New Testament, pitch a new tent (laughs) and camp around. No, we're talking about God will take on, God took on human flesh to dwell among us. Why do we, last week, remember last week's sermon? If you didn't hear it, you need to go back and hear these. Hear hear the context of prophet, priest, king. But last week, we are to draw near to the throne of grace. That's king. Draw near to the throne of grace. What? With boldness, with confidence. What in the world happened? Well, what in the world happened is Jesus. And he came and he took on human flesh to tabernacle, to dwell among Us. So number four, Jesus is the glory. He says, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son and the father, full of grace and truth. I forgot to mention, it'll be John the Baptist. That'll be the next person to say, behold, Jesus. How is he going to do it? He's going to say, behold, Jesus the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Priest, sacrifice. That's there in chapter one as well. Another time, another series. Jesus is the glory. Here we have Christ dwelling among us, fleshing among us, and we are being called upon. Behold that glory. Do you know why Princess Diana was and still is so massively popular. She was thought to be charming and beautiful, but that's not why she was and is so massively popular. She was known as the people's princess. The people's princess, you've heard that. Which was to say that she... She's one of us. Well, since we don't live in the United Kingdom, I'll have to say she's one of them. <laughs> she's one of them. She's, she lives among them. And she would travel to the far reaches of the world to do humanitarian care for the poorest of poor. She was more than willing to get her hands dirty, caring for the weak, the vile. And the people loved her for it. She was the people's princess. She wasn't perfect. Nobody expected her to be perfect. But she often stepped down. And her majesty was more on display when she did. Now, I know all human illustrations break down miserably. But hear me. Her majesty was more on display when she stepped down. She didn't need to step up for people to see her majesty, but when she stepped down, people loved her more and gloried more in her majesty. Her majesty was more loved. Her majesty was more gloried because she didn't keep a distance from the weak and the poor and the vile. This is the glory that we behold today. It's John saying, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What is he saying when he says that? The word came and dwelt among the vile. Which is us, the weak, the poor. Christ's glory is on its greatest display when he takes on human flesh. Christmas is more than a holiday, it's more than a party. It's more than a special day on the calendar. Christmas certainly is not over on December 26th and we kind of pack up the tree and Christmas is over and we're moving along. Behold the glory, John is saying. Have you seen it? Have you seen his glory? Father God, please come. Where needed, put the X on our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name.